Hello, listeners. This is Mix Bell Morgan, and this is Fishnets and Philosophy. Welcome back. I've missed you. For my comeback to this podcast, I am going to be doing a deep dive into the Saw franchise and the Saw films. I will be joined by the wonderful Ariel Powers Schaub as we discuss the films in detail. Each episode will be split for two films and we will discuss those films in spoilerific detail. So if you want to listen to this discussion and you haven't watched any of the films, please go and watch the films and then come back and listen. And then let us know your thoughts. I hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome back to Fishnets and Philosophy. This is your host, Mix Bell Morrigan. And I'm once again joined by the wonderful Ariel Powers Schaub as we finish and wrap up our deep dive of the Saw franchise. So if you've been listening along, we've gone through each of the films in depth and spoilerific detail and now we're going to just finish on our thoughts of the franchise as a whole and we'll also touch on spiral if there's anything to touch on we shall see <laughs> and if you haven't listened go back and listen to those episodes follow along watch the movies and let me know what you think so welcome back ariel i hope you've had a good week between the last one and this one Yes, what a journey it has been rewatching all these movies and talking through them. We've really we've really been on a journey together. <laughs> definitely. It's definitely that's definitely a good way to describe <laughs> it. It's definitely been a journey. Ebbs and flows, some ups and yes. downs and yes. It, it feels a little bit <laughs> like unfortunate that it ends on spiral because like, you know, that's yeah. probably one of the downer ones. So we may as well just jump into that because it's the last of the films and then we can kind of talk about the overall lasting legacy of the franchise. So we both d- decided to take the burden of rewatching Spiral this week <laughs> against our better judgment, probably. <laughs> um, yeah. And the one thing that I found strange was that the director was Darren Lynn Bowsman coming back, who did three and four, which were really solid staples of the overall Mm -hmm. franchise and then the writers were Stahlberg and Goldfinger who wrote Jigsaw which was a really solid one so I was surprised that with that director and those writers that we got viral (laughs) so I just (laughs) yeah I'm really selling it am I um (laughs) so what do you think of this film um it let me down a little bit and I was surprised at that because I was really ready to like I thought I was ready to like whatever it was going to be I was like it's a saw movie I'm gonna love it but it didn't feel like a saw movie to me Mm -hmm. and then there wasn't a lot left for me to like um you know, I really missed Kramer. I missed mm-hmm. Billy the Puppet. I missed the gravelly voice on the recorder. Like a lot of things that I realize now feel like home to me in the Saw franchise weren't there. And so, yes, we had morality traps. Yes, mm-hmm. we had a police investigation. But it felt to me like if you took out the spirals and the pictures of John Kramer on the corkboard, it could be any other sort of cop investigation movie so i'm hoping that we get more 
so that that's not the last <laughs> note in the franchise. I agree. Like, um, especially after, as we were saying in the last episode, where Jigsaw left off, where it was like there was so much potential with that, and then mm-hmm. Spiral went a complete opposite direction. Didn't give us anything else of those threads that were left open. So, yeah, it was definitely, I think, a bit of a letdown. And uh, I think uh, one of the notes that I wrote down was that, like, Spiral, like being in quote quote marks a saw film but lacking there was no jigsaw presence there was no kramer or tobin bell like Mm -hmm. so it kind of felt like a film that was wearing the skin of saw but it didn't really have the (laughs) essence (laughs) you know it was just lacking the actual what saw is which i guess like (laughs) from like a filmmaker's perspective and like trying to like give longevity to a franchise having everything tied to an aging actor like Tobin Bell is a bit difficult because he's not going to be yeah. you know it like that's why you know in the opposite to horror films but that's why with say like the superhero movies like they pin the franchises on these really young actors because they know that mm-hmm. they'll get them for years so it's like it's a bit harder with the Saw ones because like they kind of have to make that decision of we can't really have Tobin Bell here forever but it's just without him and without the essence of Kramer it just lacked that special feeling of what Saw was and that like again it was like a bit of a shame and I think the other thing that stood out for me was like Chris Rock as the main character Zeke like I like he was not likable like as in right I I was just like hoping that the next scene would just be his demise like you know <laughs> usually in most of the Saw films there's at least some type of main character you're kind of rooting for you're hoping gets to the end you didn't mm-hmm. really have that with this one it was just like he is such an asshole and an arrogant prick I was just like I want him to suffer and it, yeah I, I don't know yeah chris rock's performance was was strange to me because he's a very good actor Mm. and so i'm not sure if it was directive choice like director choices or or if it was his acting choices or maybe a combination but so many things in his performance just seemed so tamped down Mm. like he was trying to be dramatic and it was just coming off as like overdone melodrama maybe but also like not expressive enough at the same time i yeah it was a he's a good actor so i know he can do better than that it was really surprising i know it was like it it, that's i think that's really sums it up like you said uh, the overall i guess theme of the film is a bit of a letdown like let down from the film as a whole but also just let down from some of the acting choices and acting performances like overall it just it was just lacking and i remember in the email you sent me before we went into the deep dive that spiral was the one where you said was the first time you actually guessed who the killer was and i'd say yeah also added to that kind of let down feeling for you because it never happened with the other films exactly um you know i don't really try to guess the twist i just want to go on a ride with a movie and and let it tell me a story but this one felt so glaringly obvious to me that i couldn't help but notice it and i was like oh i hope i'm not right i hope i'm not right and then i was and i was like dang that really set us back and to me it was like you know you know i know we're doing are we doing spoilers is that okay 
100%. Okay. Spoilers, yeah. um, <laughs> so I figured it was Shank because they didn't show us his death. And Saw mm. never shies away from showing us a death. And so I was like, okay, I don't really understand how or why. Like, I didn't guess his backstory. Yeah. But I was like, it's, it's Shank for some reason. And I was like, please let me be wrong. And... It's kind of funny. I watched this. I watched Spiral with a friend last night, and mm-hmm. she um, has watched all the Saw movies with me. And she's going to be listening to this. So hi, Nicole. Shout out. Um, <laughs> but she told me after the fact that she didn't realize the reveal was happening mm-hmm. when they were doing the reveal of Shank because they weren't playing Hello's Up. Like they mm-hmm. weren't playing the big reveal music. So she was like wait, is this the big reveal? Like, where's the music that tells me this is the big reveal? So it just, it felt so strange to me and just kind of all over the place for a Saw movie. And that's saying something. Yeah, oh no. <laughs> exactly. Because like, that's usually what they're kind of, I guess, renowned for. Yeah. Is kind of being a little bit all over the place narratively, but somehow being able to tie it together. But like, this didn't have that. And mm-hmm. like, I don't know. There was potential with it because like what going into spiral and like i think for me what felt like the main comparison to the overall arching like saw franchise like six um, i guess almost being the outlier because with most of kramer and most of the saw films it's all about individuals like as their individual yeah. moral failings and it's kind of those individuals being tested six is different in that it's like about the actual medical insurance system so it's kind of talking about a more systemic um, problem but usually mm-hmm. with kramer it's individuals that are being targeted with spiral the killer was targeting the system of crooked cops and like it yeah. felt like it was going a different direction and it's like we're trying to you know go more systemic failings in society rather than individual failings um which was interesting but it was just i don't know it felt like they should have just went the full weight of it and gone just you know all cops are bad angle rather than there are a few bad cops like as in i don't know they i think they were trying to still say oh no they're still good police <laughs> and i don't know it would have been interesting if they had have actually just went the angle of just there's one person who's like, you know, full, all cops are bad and trying to dismantle that system. That would have been interesting, at least narratively. But I don't, I want to know what you think. Do you think that there was potential for there to be more with the killer's motives, I guess? That's such a good point that I haven't thought about yet. And maybe part of my disconnect is that it is attacking a whole system instead of just individuals. Mm. And Shank even says that. He's like, let's bring it all down from the inside. Like, let's get all these dirty cops. And even though Six is going after medical insurance as an industry, it's really about William Easton. Yeah. You know, like it's his test. So this spiral gets bigger than any other films mm. in that it, Number one, it tells us it's in our world because they make pop culture references mm. and they reference real world like laws. And they're talking about, you know, the system of policing and criminal justice, particularly in America. And this came out at a time when we've really been reckoning with that. Mm-hmm. And I don't. I mean, Saw has always 
No, I mean, Saw has never been a huge fan of police, right? Like, yeah. you bring it back to Detective Matthews mm-hmm. in the v- second movie. But I don't, like, it's hard to watch Spiral as a super fun movie mm-hmm. when they're kicking down doors and going and shooting, and that's literally what's on the news. You yeah. know, it's it's not escapism fun because it's real tragedy that we're working through. So... And that might just be a timing thing, or that might just be me personally where I'm at right now. But it definitely, um, I think that's a really good point about the system. Yeah, no, 100%. I think that's like a really good, like, kind of perspective to have. Because again, like, you know, I'm here in Ireland where, like, anywhere in our Western kind of capitalist system, there's no such thing as unproblematic policing. But it's not to the same extent as it is in America. So when I'm watching it, it's kind of almost like a reflective of like, oh, I'm kind of watching what American news is. Whereas someone who is in America is like watching what their every, you know, watching what their cultural reality is on screen. So it's a bit of a harder watch. I'd imagine like seeing that reflected on screen. And yeah, I don't know. It just, there was, I think there was so much potential with it like that's like why it was a bit of a letdown because that did have potential and I think it needed to go that direction of like trying to distance itself from Kramer I guess because obviously it yeah. can't be tied to just Jigsaw just one person for an entirety so I think they did have to try and expand the like the Saw world but I don't know if they did it successfully I don't really think they did but I think like you met, like you mentioned saying that you missed the gravelly voice what was with the voice like there was no fear like, it, it was like they had me do it it was like if i tried to sound scary on a tape with my midwest accent like what was that it was like the least intimidating thing ever yep. like, it just kind of sounded like they were just like let's just get this random like auto-tune thing and just like mm-hmm. play it and it like it just took you out of it because you heard that voice and you were just like why would anyone be scared of this it's like no there's no fear to it it was mm-hmm. oh it was such a like that was a letdown as well and also like you said there was no puppet it was just the pig mask and yeah there was just little thing little nuances that you were missing those kind of flavors of what saw was and it just was a bit unfortunate there was a one thing though that I did kind of find interesting like just as possibly like a commentary on potential like kind of I guess gender in the workplace but if you if you look at like with Chris Rock's character like he is so aggressive and insubordinate towards Captain Garza who's played pretty well by Marisol Nichols I thought that was a de- interesting decent character and mm-hmm. um, like he like he is an asshole to her and I just find it interesting like would it have been the same if it had been a man that was in that role like would Chris Rock's character be as aggressive and I want to know what you think do you think that that was a deliberate choice by the filmmakers like to show that in this character I do think so um or if it wasn't a deliberate choice it was a huge like oversight Mm. um there's definitely something to the captain of the police force being a woman. Mm. And I think some of the times the, the film uses it to give her like a quote unquote softer touch and like mm. make it so like, 
you know, when she's like, come on guys, we got to all fight together and everybody work together. Like maybe that, maybe the filmmakers thought that message was better coming from a woman. But I also haven't quite put my finger on this yet, Hmm. but something about her death strikes me as really sexist Hmm. and something about like, you know, it was like shutting her up. It was specifically like closing her mouth Mm. and like filling her face with wax, which is also kind of sexual. And Mm. her in her trap, you know, the other traps weren't like easy or anything, but severing the spinal cord is what she was supposed to do to get free. And that was a lot harder than what the other two had to do to get free. And it made me think about this idea. Sometimes women feel at work like they have to work twice as hard as a man Mm -hmm. to to get half the recognition. And it kind of felt like she had to work so much harder not to die while and there was the hot wax never stopped either. Yeah. Like the other traps, you could get them to stop by doing the thing. But hers was like, hot wax is going to pour onto your face until you sever your spinal column and then you might survive. To me, that was just like misogyny at work, like screaming, blaring. And so there's something there, even if I haven't quite articulated it properly. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, no, and no, I was like, I was actually kind of like, thinking like of the traps that was the one that stood out to me as feeling like the most brutal like yeah like and I think you really just captured why it seemed brutal because it seemed like it was the most hardest like the most difficult one to try and survive compared to the Mm -hmm. other characters um so yeah no that's uh I think you're definitely onto something there and it would be interesting to explore that further like um yeah no I think there's something strong there but yeah what about the traps though actually what did you think about the traps over because like that is at the end of the day it is one of the things that keeps us coming back to the saw films is the traps that we remember other than garza's one which felt really brutal and just again like the wax kind of reminded me again of like i guess like the house of wax films there's just something about wax and death which is just a really (laughs) really like cruel and brutal way yes. to kill someone um so i kind of was just like oh that's an interesting touch but god that's a brutal death and um, but mm-hmm. what about the other traps were there any other ones that kind of stood out to you as like oh that's an interesting one that i don't think they've done before i really did like the tongue ripping out one in the mm. beginning i thought that was the best one um I think all of the traps were designed for the person to die. Like I think Shank didn't really want to give you a chance to survive. Technically he gave you an out, but none of them were really designed for it. And I'm like, okay, logically that tracks with his mission. So like I buy that. Um, The finger one was brutal, but something about it just felt maybe a little overly complicated to me whereas the tongue one felt like a return to the simple simplistic like very on the nose morality that we know and love and so i i liked that one yeah and it was a good one to i think start it with as well because like mm-hmm. it was like literally just oh ah, and then train so I was like, okay, <laughs> we're in it we're in it we're in the film now like you know yes. it was a good way to kind of start it off and um, yeah there was just i think there was just like again maybe like a failing with the writing or the directing i'm not sure but it looked like they were trying to do so much with the film like 
with yeah i guess because that's what it was they were trying to go bigger is in that they were trying to take down the system rather than individuals so they were trying to do so much and i think they were trying to do too much and they just didn't really get to gel it together it was just a bit of a unfortunately a bit of a letdown (laughs) though the other thing that kind of just like again maybe i wouldn't have noticed it if it had been a better film but i just like thought it was kind of hilarious i like to show that um, Garza, Zeke, and then Samuel L. Jackson, uh, the father, um, were younger. He was just like, we'll just give them different <laughs> facial hair and a different haircut. Yep. Automatically, they're younger. <laughs> it was just like, Thanks, mustache, goatee, done. <laughs> exactly. It was just like, boom, they're 10 years younger or whatever. It mm-hmm. was just like, oh, really? <laughs> Come on, you could have done at least better than that. But uh, that was just a random... <laughs> Mm-hmm. nitpicking moment which i probably wouldn't have noticed if it had been a better film so yeah so now that we've i don't think we can there's much more to kind of really discuss with spiral we kind of like talked as much as we can about it like you know it's one person trying to take down the system it does end open-ended with yep you know chris rock being and again like i like you said it feels like it isn't a fun film to watch particularly given the prevalence of how policing is in america at the moment um but i think the fact that it kind of ended with this whole entire firing squad basically like literally doing exactly what zeke or shank was criticizing which was this whole shoot first and ask questions later and that's literally what they did I think that was kind of sending a bit of a powerful message and it would be interesting to see if there is more spiral, but I don't think the film did particularly well. So I'd be surprised if we get more. Yeah, I I actually like the ending too. Like I feel like the ending is the strongest part and the performances are the best then. And so when the film wraps up, I'm kind of like, okay, let's do another one. Um, You know, it came out, during the pandemic and it didn't go on streaming or anything. And so it didn't do very well. I don't, I don't know if we'll get another one or when we'll get another one. I remember hearing at one point that like spiral two had been greenlit, but stuff gets greenlit all the time and never Mm. gets made. So I'm not really sure if we will or not, but we could, it's open-ended. Exactly. It's always Mm open-ended. So I think speaking of open-ended then, so We've gone through the franchise as a whole. What do you think is the lasting legacy of the Saw franchise? Like now, like I guess, given the most recent one is Spile, which is unfortunately a bit of a downer, but maybe even just parking that one to the side. What do you think is like the lasting legacy of Saw as a franchise? Yeah. Well, you know, we don't get a lot of movies in the style of the original Saw movies lately like we're not getting those lately the gritty violence that style of movie is just not in vogue right now but you can still feel the legacy of the saw franchise number one in the fact that we have lee wanell and james wan making just banger after banger horror movies and action movies and otherwise Mm. like if saw if the original short and then the feature film hadn't been successful, we wouldn't have Invisible Man. We wouldn't have The Conjuring Universe. We wouldn't have um, Insidious. It, like so many others that they've had their their hands in. Yeah. And so like 
that's that's kind of related to Saw, but like it really did open up two amazing filmmakers to just. I mean, we wouldn't have Malignant, which is probably my favorite movie of the exactly. last year. <laughs> um, Doctor Gordon gave us Gabriel, like you know. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, man, right, that's one so way to put it. <laughs> um, and I do think you know, it gave us a way to do twists that wasn't um i you know no shade to m night Shyamalan because i do like his movies but his sort of twist is a little bit different than a saw twist mm -hmm. and so it offered a different way to say here's how you can do a horror movie with a twist and a big reveal and have it you know feel like a complete surprise so mm -hmm. i do think like anytime a movie does that now a horror movie does that now they owe something to the saw franchise 100% and actually kind of like what you mentioned as well is that it, fe it it genuinely kind of does feel like we're in this space horror wise where films of the ilk of Saw aren't really happening in that they're the grittier kind of more gorier films and I think a highly like, uh, prevalent example of that right now is the latest Texas Chainsaw Massacre and um, which right. has been released which you know still debatable whether or not it's that great of a film that's not what we're here to discuss but <laughs> the fact that it is a film that really leans heavy into the gore and the high violence it really stands out in comparison to and to use the quotation marks from this latest scream elevated horror which is kind of what uh -huh. is being made it kind of made that film stand out so much because i agree really what's being made and do you think that the reason we're in this era of, and again, I hate this phrase, but <laughs> elevated horror is because of like the Saw films and even like, say, like on a lesser extent, the Hostel films, but that kind of era of very kind of gritty and gory films. Do you think that this new like wave of horror is like, an answer to that is in like that where we are now and maybe once horror fans are kind of like you know what i want to go back to just seeing mindless slashers we'll have an a rebirth of saw or something similar yeah um i i love this talking about horror as a part of history and horror as a reaction to, to historical events um mm -hmm. i absolutely do think the era of horror that we're in now is an answer to what came before it. You know, the 90s had the teen slasher boom. Mm -hmm. And then in the 2000s, we got quote unquote torture porn. We got really gritty, edgy. I've heard the term bro horror thrown around. I don't know if I love that, but like we know That's what like we Eli mean. Roth. <laughs> we got Eli Roth. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and like Rob Zombie and, yeah. you know, and, and the like. And then I sort of clock the change of that, like the big shift with the Babadook in mm -hmm. 2014. I mean, there, there was other stuff before that for sure. Like I think the Conjuring maybe started in like 2010, I think. Yeah. Um, there was some transition time in the middle. But with the Babadook, since then, it's been kind of this like explorations of trauma, either on a small scale, like individual or family or like a generational trauma. Mm -hmm. And 
there's some wonderful movies that have come out of this. I mean, Get Out, Hereditary, yeah. Midsummer, The Witch, like just absolute classics. But I do think we're coming up on 10 years of that. And mm-hmm. I do think horror audiences are going to be a little tired of being sad all the time pretty soon, especially with everything going on in the world. I think we're going to need a break from it. And I think Malignant in particular mm-hmm. is a signpost for what's to come next. I don't know if that's true. Maybe we'll listen to this in a year and I'll have been wrong. But I think we're going to get a little silly. We're going to get a little irreverent. And we're maybe going to have some, um, you know, stuff to just lose ourselves in again. And so I don't know if we'll go the direction Gritty saw 2000s mm. right away again. I certainly would welcome that. But I do think we're going to get out of this trauma horror pretty soon because I think people are reaching their limits. I think so, too. And also (laughs) the day that we are recording this is the day that Russia has invaded Ukraine. So, yay! Right. Um, Yeah. yeah, There's a lot happening right now. And I think you're right. Like, and believe me, I've been a huge fan of where horror has gone the last number of years. It's been some of like my favorite films ever that have come out. Mm-hmm. So most of them ones that you've mentioned. And like I think it's been such a renaissance for horror as a genre. It's been fantastic. But I think you're also right in the sense that there's so much happening in the world that we're kind of like, you know, gonna want to kind of I guess escape from that. Now Horror as a genre has always been, I guess, the best vehicle for kind of holding a mirror up to society as it is at the time the film yeah. exists. So I don't know what direction it will go. Will it go the kind of, like, believe me, I'd be happy with 10 years of Gabriel. Like, I love the <laughs> Yes. <laughs> like, are we going to go the high camp kind of very irreverent horror? Possibly. Like, it's it'll be interesting to see where we kind of go as a genre. But I definitely think Saw the franchise has definitely left a lasting impression on the wider horror genre, both from like the films themselves and kind of what they've influenced and where the genre has gone. But then also, as you said, like we got James Wan and Lee Winnell. So their careers are because of Saw as well. So yeah, I think it's been a, it's a good franchise for people to get into and it's a good one Mm -hmm. to kind of spend time with and revisit and I definitely think the Saw films are, it's like those type of films that lend themselves really well to being rewatched so that you can yes. try and pick out details as they're happening. Because like, I love how the Saw films throughout and even Spiral did it to an extent, but in its own way. But it's like they kind of reveal what has happened you know, they let you know, oh, you should have seen this coming. This is really what Mm -hmm. was happening. They do it every time. And it's always so like a nice warm feeling, but it's great to try and rewatch and try and figure it out before you get to the reveal. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, so I want to like kind of ask you what you kind of just think overall as a franchise. Is Is it a horror franchise that you would recommend to horror fans or new people to horror movies absolutely (laughs) (laughs) um i tell i tell people at minimum give the first one a try because it's so different from what comes later and you know it's got some of the most emotional 
mm -hmm. aspects in that first one. It's like, give that a try and see how you feel. And like, if you didn't enjoy that, if you don't like the twists, if you don't like the minimal gore that there is in that one, like, okay, maybe just leave it at that. But a lot of people I've recommended the first one to are kind of like, well, what happens next? And mm -hmm. it really just pulls you in. And so if I know someone really doesn't care for gore, I'm going to be careful about yeah. recommending. But if someone is open to giving it a shot and just seeing what it's all about, it's like, you know, you could quit anytime you want, but there's plenty there for you to sink your teeth into. 100%. And like I think as well <clears throat> when it comes to being like a fan of horror as a genre I I think it's something that understanding the history of the genre is something that's like really good to do like to kind of like mm -hmm. you know the films that have made history in the genre should at least be revisit should be watched so you can figure out the history of the genre and I think yes. like Film in general is definitely an art form that is reflective of the society when the film exists. But I think horror definitely is the one genre that is the best example of where society was when that film came out because the film is either criticizing society at the time the film exists or it's commenting in a positive light like it's always commenting on society and that's why I think just like in the light of the most recent Texas Chainsaw Massacre as an example um but I think it's also something that you could probably could have like um commented on with the Saw films too but there's this really there's this really weird uh film fan but particularly horror fan that kind of has like oh keep politics out of my movies <laughs> it's just kind of like <laughs> buddy I oh don't think please. you're watching the right genre because horror is always political even always. when it's like an irreverent camp film it still is a commentary on society in some way so it's always political <laughs> yes yes and if you know if when people say that sometimes i think what they mean to say is i don't want to confront this particular thing while I'm trying to have fun watching a horror movie and like okay sure if you want to confront that at a different time that's fine but you do have to confront it eventually mm -hmm. and why not through a horror movie like explore the horrors of the world through this comfortable filtered lens yeah. of a horror movie and help you process it yeah horrors always always been political and, and it always will be and i agree with you it's the best genre for critiquing and examining 100 and i think i think that's a pretty strong uh, line to kind of i guess uh close out um our discussion over the last number of weeks over discussing these saw films and like that's what it is it is really the lasting legacy of these films that you know hold a special place in both in a lot of horror fans hearts yeah and um yeah no it's been a very enjoyable discussion so thank you for joining me on this journey and, oh my uh, gosh to... thank you for having no me <laughs> it's been a pleasure and to any of the listeners again um where can they find you and support your work Yes, you can find me on Twitter at Ari underscore Hellraiser. And you can find me on Letterboxd by the same name. Um, 
and I write mainly for Google's Magazine and Moving Pictures Film Club. So check me out. Lots of writing about Saw out there if you want to find it. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining me. And thank you to my listeners for following along on this journey. And keep your ears and eyes peeled for what I will be doing next. Hello there. Well, if you're listening to this, that means that you've reached the end of my deep dive into the Saw franchise with the absolutely amazing Ariel Parashaub. We finally made it. We got through all those films and we had a blast discussing them. So keep your eyes peeled for future drops of my podcast. I'll be releasing a few bonus episodes of really enjoyable conversations with different people about specific select topics and then my next series where i'm going to be doing a deep dive into a specific franchise is going to be the purge franchise so keep your eyes peeled for that and when that will start releasing and again thank you so much for spending your time and attention listening to this little podcast thank you